Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey everybody, it's Kelly from Zinimi and I Today we're recording a podcast live. Typically we record podcasts and then we put them on, you know, to be listened to later. But because of the urgency of what's going on right now in the Ukraine and the war, we felt it'd be really good to do this live so you don't have to wait for editing and production and all of that. You can catch a replay of this on our podcast. Today I am joined by Dr. Polina Kodas who is a psychologist in Colorado and who has graciously offered to talk about this issue and how it's going to show up in our practices, what we can do, what we can expect um, when traumatic things in the world are happening that really do impact the people that we work with. So thank you for being here. Thank you. It's an honor. <laughs> do you want to I, was, I, I was dreaming about it, not this is the not the occasion I was dreaming of. But mm. Well, we'll have you back on for a different occasion. Yes, well. I hope so. <laughs> Do you want to share a little bit about your practice and why this topic is near and dear to you as well? Uh, so, yes. Uh, uh, my practice is in Denver. So it's my office in Denver, Colorado. And I'm originally from Russia. And I moved here in the U.S. like eight years ago. And I started my practice, oh gosh, now it's four years already. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, almost four years ago. And I was a psychologist all my life and it took me a while to prove my education and all the stuff. And um, that's happened that Colorado has like big Russian speaking community. And uh, my family, my mom and my brother moved here even before in uh, 1997. And right now I belong to the like, Russian girls, so, you know, everybody belongs to some girl group. And our group is like 2,600 people in Colorado, and it's really active. And I mean, it's, it's a big active community, and I can, and I, I still keep friends and connections with my colleagues in uh, Russia and Ukraine. And we have a balling group, support group, which... Uh, consist of Russian and Ukrainian uh, psychologists, therapists, and uh, coaches. And uh, we used to meet like every other week. And now like, wow, where is like, So everybody's shaking. Uh, everybody's super tense. It's all horrible. I was shaking as well about three weeks. And now I'm kind of mm -hmm. ready to help. I'm kind of backed in, back in. So I'm ready to help those who are still shaking. Yes. And... The reason this topic came up is Polina is in one of our um, communities. She's a business schooler and she's in our TAP program. And I reached out to her just to check on how she was doing because I know this impacts her family and her colleagues as well. And we were talking about a way we could collaborate and get the word out as a way because Polina's deep heart is to serve. Um, and um, we want to do it without burning you out and also understanding that this is also trauma for you um, and wanted to be sure you were ready to share it and you reached out and you're like, okay, I'm ready. So um, you want to talk a little bit, you know, just kind of like 
why even this topic? We're in the U.S. What does it matter? I think it does. But you want to give some more background in terms of um, information for how it's showing up in therapy work in our life? Yes. And uh, I wish it would not. Uh, it will be like far away than in our backyard. But now I can see in my practice, it's not just Russian speaking clients who are uh, traumatized, but uh, just normal American speaking clients, Latino clients, everybody who have any kind of traumatic experience in the past. Mm-hmm. And especially because um, um, Russia still have nuclear power and it's threatening the world. And unfortunately, everybody understand that U.S. is going to be the first target uh, if the war is happening. And uh, it's easy to relate because first, it's Europe. It's European country. It's people like we, like totally, like it's so easy to relate. And second, uh, uh, yeah, when I, I Googled it and have found that about 5 million Russian-speaking uh, citizens in U- U.S. And this includes all, like all Russian-speaking includes a lot of people from Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, uh, Jewish community from the whole Soviet Union, Kazakhstan, uh, and the whole like post-Soviet Union area. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a big chance that it will show up in any of our practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you, I know you had, you had sent me some information, you know, just on the similarity in culture. Um, yeah. Kind of yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's, maybe it's not that like, because right now for the world, okay, this is like feels like totally two top, totally separate country, like Russia invade Ukraine. And yes, it is. It's invasion, it's aggression, it's a war. And at the same time, why it's why it's more why it's worse than ever. Because Russia, especially Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus was like very have very similar culture, very similar, very similar cuisine, very similar language. It still have its own culture, each of them, but it was one country, like they belong to one country for like centuries. Mm-hmm. And it they were all together in like Russian Empire. It was all together in the Soviet Union. And even in Soviet Union, the whole last, uh, it was like Slavic, Slavic part of uh, Soviet Union and Russian Empire. Uh, there was like Caucasus republics and there was some uh, Tatar and they are more Muslims. This is all like Christian, um, similar language, similar, like a lot of interconnections between families, friends. Um, it's just literally was one family. So that feels like a war inside the family. Mm. And that's why it's more... Uh, hurtful for the like the whole family hurts of course mm-hmm. and apparently if we if you remember like I hardly remember like a couple years ago was a lot of protests in Belarus because they tried to change their uh, leader they failed but it was a lot of protest and many people flee from Belarus to Ukraine and to Poland and so now all these Belarusian refugees have to flee again and it, mm. we're talking about thousands of people mm-hmm. uh, so and that's it's just a one big mess mm-hmm. it's one big mess there 
and now like part of the same family hate each other with very good reason and it's a mess here even like in uh in we can see like all many of the, in, in my uh social media like there was no much uh hatred because i have specific audience like mostly mental health professionals and but many people can see like people divided so mm -hmm. some people okay even some of them don't support much war but they support russia and they watch russian tv still here and especially like we talk about older generations mm -hmm. uh and obviously ukrainian who have relatives in the war zone mm -hmm. and uh and there is a lot of tension here between like inside the community as well so that means there is tension right now we can see the erasing the common humanity as well mm -hmm. and so but about let's when we talk about trauma it's like people who work with trauma now everyday basis right now we can see like all kind of different traumas mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so can you talk more about what we can expect in the u.s in our private practices what kinds of things so what we can expect in u.s what they can see like we can expect that people who like direct war zone trauma that's mm -hmm. people who come, who happen to have open visas, or they have relatives here, and or who uh, come back from the war zone. Are people who go and support and volunteer on the Poland border, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally have like people like that. Uh, like, of course, we're gonna have like secondary war zone trauma. So people who have relatives in Ukraine. People right now, like people in Russia whose children happen to become a soldier in a war zone suddenly, who like definitely didn't want it. Uh, but uh, it's uh, people who, um, uh, I, I just read today a colleague, uh, she lives in Czech Republic, in, Czech, in Praga. And she discussed how her daughter in the elementary school helping one of the refugees girl who speak only russian and like help her to adjust and that's just like when mama asked her like how was the school she's like no bombing mom no bombing yet mm. and that's i mean it's like uh okay we're gonna have that like secondary trauma uh and here and there and uh we're gonna have some collective guilt trauma like collective trauma with betrayal of trust and friendship in that uh rush that's a family it's like it's a family connections and mm -hmm. for people in like my generation we grew up on the second world war examples when uh, we all stayed together as a soviet union against the uh nazis and against the, like uh german nazis fascism and uh it was all like one country this is like uh and especially uh ukraine and belarus it was a lot of like holocaust uh it, it was all uh occupied by the german like by the uh, nazis and it was a lot of Holo all like jewish like thousands of 
Jewish people were killed and people moved all around the country so that everybody have that memory. It's And it's not just far, it's my grandma. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, that's, that's like, I remember her stories in my mm -hmm. childhood mm -hmm. very well. Even they were very well adapted, like, like I understood later. Mm -hmm. so, so that's, uh, and right now, so all this like, wow, suddenly like we Russians, like I talk about we because I, I'm originally from Moscow, like what are we aggressors now? So, and mm. uh, by the way, that Putin's propaganda calling that we are fighting against Nazis in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So that like Nazi words, which like for the people who grew up with like anti-Nazi union, um, all, by the way, this is bad Americans. They uh, don't accept uh, black people that we accept everyone. Like we are all equal. No, no. And right now this like generation who grew up on these uh, values suddenly like, wow. Um, yeah. By the way, like this is not, and smart people understand, like, no, this is it, exactly. We are betraying that values which we grew up on. Mm -hmm. So that's um, uh, about collective guilt and uh, totalitarian uh, regime victims from Russia and Belarus. Because people right now can get in prison for 15 years when mm -hmm. they uh, uh, falsely accuse Russian army. <laughs> like for example, let's, mm -hmm. and uh, we already can see that. Uh, we can see like victim comparison. So for example, like Ukrainians let in on Mexican border and Russian are not right now. Mm -hmm. That's what, and you know, is uh, okay. My pain is not as your pain and all that, like, but um, so hate crimes, that's what we can see. And if you work in the, um, or like your clients work in the organizations which uh, have like multicultural uh, situation, for example, I um, directly like one of my friends talked that like truck drivers are suffering and they say like, uh, like truck, truck tracking company owners say to the Belarusian drivers say like, I'm not going to send you because I don't want your truck. My truck going to be burned if mm. you start speak Russian somewhere mm -hmm. on the gas station. And, you know, that's a hate crime. Like we had like Asian hate in the beginning of pandemic, right? That was just, it, it, it's, it's unreasonable. So now, mm -hmm. but now we have, uh, for people who have that inner instability and who have tendency to go into the hate, uh, Okay, now let's hate Russians. They are bad guys. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the U.S. has been there before, you know, as yeah, well. Yeah, of course. And it's a long underlying yes. narrative. Yeah, or, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and we, unfortunately, there is that tendencies in the U.S. that uh, let's hate those. Like, mm -hmm. let's hate, like, Trump supporters let hate anti-vaxxers or like vaxxers or whatever so that mm -hmm. it's a lot of tension which we have already mm -hmm. uh, so if you if people who have that inner already like uh, anxiety fatigue whatever uh, they just tired of all that instability oh mm -hmm. now like wow this is the perfect enemy mm -hmm. uh, 
It does feel like a reawakening, though, of old narratives from when I was a child, even, you know, um, mm -hmm. Cold War and things like that, you know, yeah, versioning again. That's right. And it's, 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 uh, and when, um, okay, let me just, I finish that about increasing anxiety, helplessness, and tension uh, for like any kind of people who already have that. For example, I have a, a friend who wore in a war zone um, in his childhood in Serbia. Now he's experiencing uh, his PTSD, like, again, mm -hmm. symptoms. Mm -hmm. And we have, like, a lot of people. So it's uh, any, like, new trauma exposure. Even, like, TV can do it. You know that TV can do it. Mm -hmm. so, and um, that prolonged observation to the, like, violence and suffering uh, can prolong provoke all kinds of relationship issues. So, for, mm -hmm. for example, like... Uh, person who I have a person who wore like work with domestic violence and she was a victim of domestic violence herself and now she's advocating for that and she's like look now all that people who had the tendencies like feel kind of like unspoken permission like yeah of course this mm -hmm. is should be my way or no way Mm -hmm. And you, by the way, should listen. Mm -hmm. So, and that's she really like. She is feeling that it's kind of permission to any kind of violence. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's. I was talking to people, to my clients, like last several days, and I was like, "What are you feeling? What are men feelings?" And I can say the main feelings is anger. Eventually, it's like I'm upset and after i'm kind of mad and i'm really angry what are you doing so it's like suddenly we have several millions more angry people in the world mm. guess what good it can do mm -hmm. it's kind of so this is our job to clean it up and what has it been like for you these past few weeks being from moscow sitting with clients? For me, it was actually really good, refreshing experience of adjustment disorder. So mm -hmm. I just really feel that's how adjustment disorder in the best case scenario feels like. Mm -hmm. You like, it's a bomb. It's, it's not a bomb in my backyard, but it's like, mm -hmm. was really, and are fleeing and people I means was after it was uh like mostly like freeze reaction for me mm -hmm. and i can't stop scrolling the news i was sitting on the news and facebook and like last three weeks more than i did last three years like literally mm -hmm. <laughs> so and it, uh, at some moment it was like that helplessness and fear and in my case because i i prone to freeze reaction mm -hmm. and for me it's mostly like dystemic reaction uh, and like at some moment i feel like i'm just drained if my energy was drained so mm -hmm. like, no energy at all and after i reached out for help and that's why by the way like that uh like damn and like 
reach out for help for close people after like all my close people traumatize themselves mm-hmm. i reach out to my uh, tap community and that was actually the turning point for me when the people who i totally i i decided okay i do need help from people who not that much of involved mm-hmm. that much involved right. who like who don't have relatives there who don't have friends there who don't have mm-hmm. colleagues so and uh, and that was a turning point for me. And it's a moment I it helped me to cry and and start my way back. So I kind of and I start I can start to feel like a little bit more energy every day and I can speak now. Yeah, I think um, for those of you who are listening um, in this community that we have, Polina, I encouraged her to just make a video of what she's going through because when I had reached out to her it was in the earlier few weeks ago and um, so she just posted like what she was going through and then other people in the community posted video responses and written responses and offered like to talk to each other on the phone or whatever they needed to be able to get support and I think there is something about you as a clinician for anyone that's listening that's a clinician in private practice it's really tracking if you hear Polina talk about I know what response I'm having I have a freeze response you know and and finding navigating those parts to get needs met by others so relying on other community members help kind of find some releases because there's a moment where you're like I haven't cried I haven't been able to express it because you've been frozen and so you started to melt a little bit through that Mm-hmm. Um, what can we do as just human beings, but also as clinicians in private practice, when we are seeing these trauma responses, when we are seeing the victim comparison, the collective guilt trauma, the um, hate crimes, discrimination, um, maybe even our clients increasing in symptoms and just how they're coping with information, because a lot of our clients may be touched by this or re-traumatized through something similar um, from their own family of origin and history. So, yeah, when I, I wrote that kind of like list and I, uh, the first thing which I was talking about, the main thing is to prevent dehumanization right now. Mm-hmm. In uh, and I actually I really suggest I watched uh, a couple of days ago the movie which called Oslo, and it's about the uh, negotiation between Palestinian and Israel in nineties, which happened on the back channel in Norway. It was a two couples who facilitated mm-hmm. through that first stage, mm-hmm. and it was like impossible negotiation at the time, and they helped them come to that, and that that totally that to start talking and that and that people like in this movie that uh uh palestinian and israel representatives like some say like this is my first jew i shake hand with mm. and that this this seat and uh, that little guest room guest house in norway is like you talk and that we all sit and share meals and we talk about families in the evening and eventually that they, they become humans toward each other. And that's mm-hmm. for people to have, 
stay humans toward each other, even like toward people who doing total. Yes, it doesn't mean that let's like be permissive to the uh, aggression behavior. Mm-hmm. Behavior, yeah. It's but like prevent dehumanization uh, when it's possible, especially when it's direct trauma. What does that so, look like? Can I just ask what that looks mm-hmm. like in in a session? And maybe that's too big of a question to dive into today, uh, but I think. Yes, no, that's you. You're totally right because, like, when I talk like uh, to another like colleague, and like, how can how you can imagine it's in a session, a person is totally like grieving and say that they kill my brother or whatever, uh, and they say, okay, uh, it's this is horrible what you're feeling. And it's your choice if you continue this violence or you choose to leave and help uh, stop the violence and support the structure which can stop the violence. Do not go into that. Just he killed me, I'm going to kill him. And Mm. uh, we let's continue that uh how we call it, like uh blood revenge like mm-hmm. what's the word for that that uh, makes sense what you're yeah. saying but i don't yeah. know any other yeah. word for it mm-hmm. uh yeah that's uh um and uh even for uh, especially for people with more like uh caucasian roots arabic roots that's a very like they grew up with this concept like uh, like revenge you need to like blood for blood and for like for people with yes it's uh to stop the violence doesn't mean to kill and sometimes stop the violence means like uh sorry most sounds like it means like stopping it within yourself First. Stopping it uh, in yourself, in your family, mm-hmm. in your clothes, in, in any relationship around you. Mm-hmm. Be firm doesn't mean to be aggressive. Right. And I think that's where you were talking about also that like not supporting a designated enemy approach in session or uh, zero sum game is what you had mentioned. Yes. And that's a. Uh, 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 and it's hard because mm-hmm. it's it's hard even for the smart people who understand what zero sum game means mm-hmm. <laughs> for people who like like how what else so and uh, okay and as a as if it was hanging on the side of my brain that so similar situation like you have a couple counseling and uh, for example like uh, one spouse saying uh, I'm sober for three months why you are still mad at me mm-hmm. like just forget and forgive and just let's start now and be clear and be happy mm-hmm. and another uh, partner saying um uh, i don't have amnesia i can't i would like to but i can't so and exactly what we do with the couples we say okay we do both uh is it tricky yes but this, everybody who works with couples and families know that it's possible yeah, to grow trust bite by bite and uh, help to process and help 
the part who is responsible for violence or for mm-hmm. hurt right. uh, take responsibility and work with it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, it comes to me, like I've been there, I know this is, uh, is it hard? It is hard, it is possible, it is possible. Mm-hmm. I think too, the other part that um, you had brought up when we were talking was just about how to respect your clients' boundaries, especially those that are hurting, but also be really curious and open-minded because we're all bringing bias in. You can't tell me that you don't show up in the room and our biases are there. Our own, our own feelings about what's going on is there and showing up as well. Mm-hmm. And so having that place of curiosity is true work of the therapist and artistry, I think, in some ways of constantly being aware of your own parts that are coming up and still leaving room to be curious about the impact on the client um, at, while helping them navigate their own biases. Yeah, that, that totally, like, as a, I, in IFAS training, like, to be aware of my own parts, that's a, yes. always a trick. And, uh, okay, I can share, like, my own, another personal experience that somebody know here, that uh, I was married the person who became a, came out as a transgender. Mm-hmm. And it was a shock for me. Mm-hmm. And I never deal with transgender before. And I was I was not homophobic or I was something, but it was very different. Mm-hmm. And it took me a mm, good chunk of work to understand and accept and stay friends. Mm-hmm. It's so it's possible to work with our parts, which are like totally don't want to accept that mm-hmm. and uh, want to side with somebody. Even like we we know that uh, we trained to be tolerant and open minded, but it's mm-hmm. easy say than do, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why that peer support and supervision groups and communities are like I think like essential. It's mm-hmm. just I I would not survive without my communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, One of the other things that I really loved is how you were talking about just as human beings, what do it mean to be supportive? And you were saying like, play Tchaikovsky, eat a pierogi, you know, like support Russian speaking friends and business owners. And can you talk more about that? (laughs) Yeah, that's a, um, uh, that's easy. Like maybe it's, I mean, it's it's just a little bit too much, a little bit too more work, too more, like let's ask questions first like if it's mm-hmm. a russian speaking person in your environment mm-hmm. you can ask like uh, where you came from what is your position so and uh, how can i support you mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that's just be curious and if the person for some reason like support this war and like uh, well like under putin's propaganda you can try to um, discuss it or you can just like okay, step back. If a person is like openly, uh, you feel that you share their position. So just uh, just show that uh, human, like common humanity and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And especially for people who are there, like uh, 
use, let them work. Most of uh, us, <laughs> like Russian speaking, like uh, Russian, Ukrainian, Belarus, like there are a lot of artists, web designers uh, mm -hmm. who can be overseas and still need <laughs> need customers. Mm -hmm. Just um, yeah, it's almost impossible to buy anything from Russia now, but uh, mm -hmm. at some moment. So there, if there are like Russian-speaking uh, cleaners or mechanics or um, pastry shop, uh, just go and say like, I know that. Uh, let's we all want peace. Let's mm -hmm. be at peace. Let's be good neighbors. Mm -hmm. All people who moved here, uh, they moved for reason. They moved to build. They are Americans right now. Mm -hmm. We are Americans, and and uh, and we try to keep our culture. Somebody more, somebody less, uh, as like any kind of yeah uh, mm -hmm. communities, and uh, but. The being Americans it means like work, build our own businesses, grow children, like mm -hmm. volunteer. So just be humans. I think I remember. I think there. I'm just gonna say for me, when I reached out to you, there's a part of me that does feel like you know, I'm aware of the white saviorism and not wanting to be this American hero kind of like stepping in, but really just more of a concern for who you are and knowing that you have family and colleagues who are in a country where maybe they do or do not agree with what Putin is doing. And it's directly impacting you and just saying, hey, curious, is there anything that we can do? because it is impacting, like, it could also impact your business, you know, in terms of, luckily you have clients who are not that way, but not everybody has that, or they may have clients who uh, there's, you know, hate and, and things spread around. And so it's this fine line, right? And it's just like, hey, I'm just caring about you as a person who knows you, who loves you, who wants what's best for you. And, if, and I don't know where you stand on anything but just knowing that there is a big connection there. Um, so I think it's important that we also look at our motive in terms of why we're doing what we're doing and that it's really, again, curiosity, not saying I have the answers and I know how to help. Instead saying, you tell me, like, is there something that I can do, any of my resources that can be used to support you? And I think as colleagues, especially with the re-traumatization piece of us as therapists, are we reaching out to each other saying like, I've been traumatized. Like a lot of my clients are impacted by this. I need support. You know, that's one of the ways that we can just see the humanness of being a therapist, carrying this kind of pain where we're being re-traumatized as well, especially some clinicians who have been through war, who have been through immigration. And, and it's, there's a lot of layers here of how do we care for each other and as human beings and say, how can I help? These are the resources I have at my disposal. I'm happy to consult. I'm happy to chat. I'm happy to just have a cup of tea with you and let you cry, whatever it may be. It's important. Yes. And please do it. Please reach out. Because when Kelly reached out, I was in a state of grief, which I I didn't have any, any resources to reach out to, to even like what I have. 
yeah so and we we don't know everybody like adjusting differently so yes please do yeah um i think i just want to say I, I appreciate you sharing your own process and where you're at how you've been melting from your freeze mode and and things like that but also we've been having discussions about what does it mean to take care of yourself in the midst of this and um, this was one of those acts of self-care too, of like giving voice to your story of being heard. I hope that also has kind of helped you feel, you know, like. Yes. Yes. And I still like, okay, I still like want to say that because I, I told it to like many of my clients. That's a, uh, the post as a part of post-traumatic growth, like, to clean up and really take care of our relationships is important. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's an ongoing process, and that's what happened between uh, Russia and Ukraine. They have some like uh, submerging like coals mm-hmm. in the backyard. And it's like like guess what's happened if you have coals in the backyard? It's, you can have fire. <laughs> yes, or like some another like somebody just provoked this fire. Yes, that some and we feel lucky we can have it for years. And you like each of you who work with couples can hear that like oh how long? And this was like for years. So like oh my god, how you people can live like this for years mm. with this like pain of like what's it? temperature like a little bit above normal but it's draining you all the time right but we tolerate it yeah <laughs> that's right so and uh that's a that's awakening like what i'm standing for as a human being in my relationships and take actions and yeah go volunteer like one of my friends in california yesterday talked to me like i worked for hours uh like sorting the humanitarian aid and i finally feel well and sleep well in three weeks so and that's maybe uh just go and do something and uh, but for me to work with relationships and take care of relationships like kind of wake up this is my calling that's what i do in my work and that's what i want to do in my life and Please take care of each other. <laughs> let's let's take care of each other. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I really love that piece about how the post-traumatic growth is taking. What do I want? How do I want to affect change from what has happened that's been out of my control? And that comes at the human level, the relational level, and even at a professional level of, you know, I, as a parent, what do I want to teach my child? What do I want in my relationships and how I have these conversations? And then also as a clinician, how do I help heal these parts and with others and um, who I work with and how, how I handle this of being aware of the biases, being aware of racism and all the different parts and the trauma that can come up with it and being intentional about doing that work. Um, but for some of us, even just volunteering can, like you said, can m- help you feel like this is what I'm doing about it, you know, and that can be really calming for the nervous system when you're in a traumatized state. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's what like right now we are talking about that. That's, a, that's our part. This is, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. I sprung this on you to do it live. We typically, like I said, don't do the podcast live. But I just felt like it's a conversation that's really relevant to today and needed to be had today. Um, Polina, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you? Uh, I'm pretty unique, so you can just uh, type Polina Koda <laughs> psychologist and you'll find me. <laughs> yes. So, and um, the name of my practice is Your Wave Counseling. Can you have links to that? Yes, we'll and, have that on uh, the podcast notes when we yeah, post and that. Just, uh, yeah, just send the notes from through the site or just send me a uh, at uh, Paulina at yourwavecounseling.com and uh, I will be happy to talk. Yes. <laughs> so think about for clinicians out there watching or listening to this later, think about who you know, how you can reach out, how you can you know manage your own stress during this time, but also that with your clients and people in your own life. Um, Paulina, thank you for everything you had to share. I'm so grateful for you. and. Um, yeah. Thank you, Kelly. All right. Thank you. We'll, we'll see you all till next time. Stay. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable, profitable solo or group practice. Head over to zinimi.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.